right, hello everyone. This is uh, Abel Mesarish for the Bundesliga Bulletin podcast edition, and we are going to be talking about Bayern Munich. And when it comes to Bayern, um, I found that uh, one of the people that is probably the most knowledgeable is none other than uh, Justin Kraft. Um, Justin is actually um, a writer for Mia San Rod, uh, both English and German editions, and he's also an author for uh, a book called Lahmsteiger, again, again, Generation Lahmsteiger, which is an interesting uh, combina combination of words about uh, two of the most important uh, Bayern players. Um, so uh, welcome to the show and tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, hello, thank you for the warm welcome and yeah, hello on everyone there out there. Okay, cool. Yeah, so we are actually, you know, we're going to talk about um, Bayern's upcoming season and, and we've got uh, a number of questions and, and I think um, we will get into some of sort of the off-season moves, we will get into some of the tactics, we will get into what's happening at the leadership level, we will get into some prognostications and previews for what to expect from Bayern. But I think we should probably start with the, the bombshell that was Uli Hoeneß, which, which was it a bombshell and, and whether that uh, Uli Hoeneß is really retiring in November is still uh, up in the air. So, so what was your first reaction? What do you make of that decision? I mean, where are things standing with, with that? Is he retiring? Is he not? Yeah, it, it was a bit surprising for me that uh, Bild in Germany published this now, um, yeah, in the in the summer break. Nevertheless, my informations are that uh, Hoeneß is thinking about this since early 2018, actually. Uh, also, the Jahreshauptversammlung, um, we call it in Germany like that, um, it means like the yearly meeting of, of Bayern. Um, in 2018 was a turning point for him. Um, I think the main problem for him is that he can't deal with with uh, the change in society. So um, <laughs> especially younger generations are very sensitive for language, for example. Um, I think this is very good because it's not okay to say uh, like enemy to an opponent in sports like Hoeneß did. Um, but maybe Hoeneß doesn't understand why things he always said are not okay anymore. So um, the main reason for leaving FC Bayern is probably that he has enough, uh, just enough of being criticized for everything. Uh, I understand both sides. Hoeneß is 67 years old now and had an outstanding career, I think we should say that. Um, yeah. So why should he change? Uh, he always did that. Um, yeah, it's, it's hard to change for a man like him. Also, it would have been very nice if he were able to, to change and to adapt to a new generation. All in all, um, to come to a point, uh, I'm confident that Hoeneß has a master plan. Uh, he would never leave Bayern without knowing how to replace his person. And he knows how important he is to the club and he knows how important it is to find a successor who can continue his style of managing FC Bayern. And yeah, I'm confident that he has that master plan. Yeah, and, and I think you, you wrote about this on, on Mia Zanot yeah. uh, as well, about uh, he's going to have a mas master plan. And, um, and and yeah, I think I think it's worth mentioning that he, you know, Uli Hoeneß did come up on 40 years of, of, of Bayern, yeah. right? I mean, that's the that's a that's a no small feat. And another Uli H, actually, uh, Uli Hesse wrote about uh, 
his accomplishments in, in sort of the book, um, you know, turning Bayern into a global super club. I think that's a very, you know, I mean, I, I obviously people familiar with, with German football will know about tennis. And I think uh, uh, some of the recent controversy, um, 2013 and on, and the tax stuff uh, has, has overshadowed uh, the, uh, the earlier things and, and, and why he's, you know, responsible for being the architect yeah. for, for, for Bayern. Um, but and I think I think it's an interesting point you made about uh, whether people of a certain age and and, and, and you know, are willing to change and not and and it certainly I think I think last couple of years since he's returned to the fold there there's been a lot of uh, controversial remarks and 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 I think him recognizing that that you know he is in, in some ways a problem for for Bayern is is I think uh, notable because you know. It seems like in twenty, in, in basically like in the post Donald Trump era, people that are like you know that age usually are just like doubling down and say, well, you know, the world is not what it was, but I want it to stay that way, and you know, so I think that's a cool thing that he's uh, he's recognizing that it's time to time to uh, step away. And you were talking about the master plan now, so I, I think you know two of the the things that are not so secret is is uh, you know Oliver Kahn coming into um management although um he you know he is he's going to be a, a part of uh the the board right the the, the sort of right so Uli Hoeneß is, is basically the um the president of of Bayern in, in uh, Bayern as the the Verein as the uh, as the uh the the club and and that's that includes like basketball and all those other you know other sports that that, ha- that they have um now in terms of the master plan i mean what are some of your sources saying what are some of the things that you're hearing is does this going to mean? Because I think people would people assume is that there's going to be more of uh, Karl Heinz Rummenigge assuming power. What do you think about that? Yeah, of course, Rummenigge is is more important now. So I can't imagine him as a president in the next years, uh, but he will have more power in his uh, actual position. So I think it is a very smart decision of both of them that they won't leave at the same time. Um, yeah, this will make the transition a little bit easier into into yeah a new era. And um, yeah, Rummenigge yeah has more responsibility for that now. If Uli Hoeneß is actually leaving, yeah, right. Because it, the transition, I think, is an interesting word. And, and you know, Rummenigge, I think, for for people who might not know, is supposedly retiring in uh, the end of twenty twenty one. At that that's been that's been sort of the, the the news now. Although I think he was uh, talking to Build and and uh, didn't necessarily confirm those, but 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 seemed like you know he's he's also I mean he's also getting up there in age as well. And and that transition is is, is something that uh, I think it's it's probably the biggest Bayern topic for uh, I mean I don't know probably since the trouble in in 2013 uh, and and who that. Uh, who is supposed to lead that transition? I mean, there's all kinds of, you know, Philip Lam was was involved, and he, then then you know he declined, and it's 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 always hard to say, and and you know it's it's always, you know, um, I I wrote about this a lot when it came to coaching searches that it's a very very difficult thing to manage because you know Bayern is is, is such a huge club with, with and then these are such huge uh, shoes to fill that it's almost uh, too big in in, in some ways. But um, I mean, what do you see the, in the transition period, and who do you see in charge of it? If if that going if that's going to happen, at least in the next couple of years, and then like beyond, if Rummenigge does leave. 
Yeah, um, like I said, Rummenigge has one last big task now at Bayern, finishing the mentioned transition. And uh, therefore, <laughs> it is important to get other people in his and also in Hoeneß positions. Um, I really think that Oli can be a very good successor. Haha. <laughs> um, he is experienced <laughs> enough now, so not on only as a TV expert, also in terms of economy. Um, Khan is a very smart person, I think. He knows the club and he's able to learn fast. He has proven that uh, often enough. And I think that is very important to be successful at Bayern. Also, he is, a v he is very good uh, at talking. So maybe he can improve the external view of the club. And I'm really looking forward to him um, to step up at, at Bayern. Um, just to drop some other names for the headline, um, of course, I would love to see Philipp Lahm. You mentioned him. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, he's, he's a great personality. Also, Schweinsteiger is, is a very great personality at Bayern Munich. Um, also, Max Eberl would be a very yeah. smart solution yeah. if Bayern comes to the conclusion uh, that Salihamidzic is not the right man, or even if they <laughs> find out that a second strong man next to or over Salihamidzic would make sense. Yeah, I mean, that was that, the Abel rumor. I mean, he was a Bayern player. Um, and obviously, that's been like almost every summer you have the Max Abel, or even sometimes yeah. during the season, like you have the Max Abel uh, rumor. And, and that, that's been, you know, talked about maybe Khan and, and him together because he is the, the, the Kader planner, right? The, the squad yeah. planner um, that, that he's very good at and he's got the Bayern ties. And Lam, I think, I think could, could be one, but he's doesn't, he seemed like he was interested in like DFB mm. stuff and, and, And maybe aiming some somewhere higher, but it could just be that, you know. I mean, I, I don't know. You probably know more about uh, the relationship between uh, Lam and Hunes uh, or, or Rummenigge, and it could just be that he's waiting until that they leave, and then he will come back. But certainly, I think I think that's a uh, you know um, the, the tradition of Bayern um, to be continued by those players, because because I think you hit on is a good one because you hit on that that image issue because. That that's probably that's probably Bayern's uh, issue now to the extent that they have an issue is is communication and 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 putting a face that's somewhat more modern. I mean the Bundesliga does have a lot of progressive clubs and and and, the, and I think the marketing is, is is based on younger people and and smarter. And I mean to be honest, Bayern in that sense they they they've done a great job of marketing, but they ne they didn't necessarily put like the youngest, freshest you know like putting out uh, Rummenigge and Hunes. Not not exactly sort of the picture of youth there and and, and change and and uh, sort of progressivism. Um, so okay, that's uh, that's 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 interesting. And and I think what I want to touch on next is you know we, we we've talked about this 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 umbruch this this sort of transition period in in Bayern and whether that's happening or not. I think I think that's a that's a question we we can discuss uh, maybe maybe later. But. Um, Because it's because it's always seems to me like I mean maybe we can talk about that now. Is like, do you feel like this 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 umbruch or this transition is happening, or how much of it is happening? Because I always feel like part of them they want to do it, but also they want to keep the Mia and Mia tradition. They want to make sure that you know Bayern is not just another super club like Manchester City, and you know they're not just like buying players. So. But they also recognize, I think this summer with the signings of, you know, Pavard and, and Lucas Hernandez for 80 million, it seems like there's a recognition of, okay, well, we need to spend some money. But at the same time, they're also not really willing to spend that much money. I mean, how do you see this sort of uh, back and forth? 
Yeah, it's it's also a strength, but also a weakness of Bayern that they don't want to spend uh, the really high high uh, money on on players. So I don't know um, where I stand in this in this discussion because on the one hand I like it that they are um, yeah. yeah what makes them unique yeah, right? it's, yeah. It's so so they they don't uh, put the money on every player so that's something i really yeah. like um but on the other hand you need to spend to still be um yeah in the in the top five of europe so and this is something bayern want to achieve and they want to stay in the top five so yeah it's it's hard to balance these two points um i think it's a big task for this transition to to yeah to uh, be successful in in that and yeah i i don't know if if um they really are on a good way but um the first transfers uh, of pavar and hernandez make hope uh, that that bayern is aware that they need not only good players um also affordable players Yeah, and also like players who can play multiple positions. I mean, that was a big that was a big sort of uh, you know discussion point that you know the, when they're planning the squad is they want these sort of polyvalent or sort of multi-functional players who who can you know like play uh, for example Pavard and Hernandez can play fullback, center backs, and that allows you know Kimmich to to move. Yeah. And I mean, I, I wrote I wrote about this a lot uh, in a newsletter. I think that's a very basic point that's been made of and and. In some ways, I think I think that's an interesting point because it it, it is this thing, and this is what uh, Zali Hamicic and, and and Kovac have been saying um, that okay, we can have a small squad, and you know, we can have a full small squad of you know maybe 17 players, and then four young talented guys like Fitarp and um, Alfonso Davies, Lars Lucas May, and some other to be determined guy from uh, the the Bayern amateur, um, but. It's, it's, it's also like, I think one way to understand it is also, well, we're doing this because we don't want to spend the money. So, um, I mean, where do you fall in this discussion? Because obviously they've, they've gotten rid of all those people that uh, Kovac didn't get along with, you know, um, Hummels, Robin Ribery, uh, James Rodriguez as well, um, Rafinha certainly. <laughs> uh, so... Do you like? Do you believe the club more, or do do you believe in this thing that Kovac and Salihamidzic are saying, or are they just like trying to put a a good spin or a good face on on the fact that they're they're not really wanting to spend money? Yeah, they there are always two two sides, so I can't position on the one whether on the on the yeah. other side. So. Um, I think uh, they have to see or they have to they have to reach a squad which is able to be successful in every competition. So uh, that's the main thing. They they need uh, like 18 or 19 players. Kovac said that. Um, yeah, to to be just able to maybe reach the two finals and win the championship in Germany. So. Um, Bayern always want to reach uh, the highest things and yeah, therefore you need the squad. So you mentioned Hummels, Rames, Ribéry, Rafinha. Bayern lost many players with great experience. Um, maybe they were not on their highest level so anymore yeah. because uh, they 
reached um yeah an age where where they were weren't on their peak so yeah but but they have big experience and they know how to win titles so and bayern needs such players they need players um with ex experience with high class and yeah that's the task for for this summer yeah and it's interesting because they didn't bring in those players right i mean because it's not like i mean i guess like you know pavard and, and hernandez are, are you know world cup winners yeah. but you also wouldn't say like they won the world cup but well, i mean I, i don't know i guess pavard's goal but you know like you understand what i'm saying they're not necessarily known for their experience and that's not the thing that they they are known for but i think also like Uh, Bayern are in this tricky position when it comes to transfers because I mean one of the running stories of this uh, you know I guess it's every transfer window but it's like who did Bayern not buy like that was a that was a big thing and how do they evaluate the players and 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 there was always like you know Nicolas Pepe is, is worth how much and Timo Werner and you know Rodri and all those other players um, but Like I think for me the difficulty, and I and I in this way I, I sympathize with what Hernes and, and Rummenigge are saying, is that like the market did did go crazy, and you know anybody that has like a, a half a good season or like you know Joao Felix is a good example. Like Joao Felix had maybe six months of good football, and then now he's 126 million because he's got potential. So it's very very hard now that and the and the risk of making a mistake on somebody is is so much higher, and in that way. You know, if you are Barcelona or, or you are Manchester City or PSG or one of these clubs, you can make a mistake even for like, you know, 50, 60 million. And then you could still resell those players. But but Bayern can't really seem to make a mistake. And I think they, they from what I understand, um, Pavard and Hernandez were sort of safe choices, right? Even even for, for that money, like, you know you're, what you're getting. You can play them in multiple positions yeah. and so on. And I think, you know, Zane is probably in that category as well, if that happens. I mean, how do you see this sort of uh, question of um, players that they could be signing, the player value, put it, you know, giving out this much money for it? Yeah, um, tough question. Uh, the crazy is a crazy market, uh, I think. Um, yeah, you're right. So Joao Felix uh, played one good season and, and is that high valued. So... It's it's very hard. It's for Bayern. It's so tough to to find young players uh, yeah, to where the risk is not that high. So and you need young players. So I guess Alfonso Davis and Fita Arp are, are the, the examples. Yeah, to this, but right? but uh, they aren't really the level uh, which has yeah. Joao Felix at the moment. So we have to see how they develop. But yeah, it's it's hard to find someone like Kimmich for for ten million or eight million. Uh, euros so um, that's a steal but it's not easy to find such players um, the best example is maybe Renato Sanchez um, 35 or 40 million uh, without yeah. bonus so there was much money and um, if he doesn't work out in the end um, that's a high risk which was gone by FC Bayern so the market is crazy like I said but one alternative could be a uh, the Nachwuchsleistungszentrum, so the, the own youth yeah. academy. The youth center, yeah. So which yeah. Uh, I think Bayern has, has to put more effort into this. Um, yeah, we, we have great talents in, in the U17 or in the U19. So Bayern has great players already there. So you have to trust them. You have to bring them more in, in Bundesliga matches. Um, for example, Lukas May, who played two yeah. Bundesliga matches, um, I think, two years ago. 
and already yeah. was uh, pretty good. So he made yeah. no mistakes. Um, just trust him. Just bring him more often and and see where it gets. Um, best example is maybe uh, De Ligt from mm -hmm. Ajax. So um, he played like with 16 or 17 his first matches for, for Ajax and look where he is now. So um, I don't want to compare Mai with De Ligt now, but yeah, yeah. it's... it's uh, <laughs> easier to develop with with some trust yeah and i mean especially it's interesting because the bundesliga the last couple of years is known for young players you know even you know from england or, or france i mean that's where that's where young players go because at the top at the top top side which you know bayern want to belong to that very top five top ten teams you really don't get young players a chance to to play because you can you cannot really wait around for you know, um, Sancho to develop at Manchester City, right? You have to give him to Dortmund yeah. because you're not sure. And then sometimes that, that leads to those things where, you know, Sancho becomes a world beater and then you lose out on them. Um, but also, you know, if you're if you're like, or it's the Pogba example, right? If you're Manchester United, you could just wait until he, you know, gets good and then you could just buy him back, right? So that that's the, that's the part. But I think Bayern, in that sense, are in that former category of like Manchester City, like, uh, you know, like uh, Manchester United or Big but they can't really afford to buy a player back because then, you know, there's other teams competing. So, yeah. so they're in a difficult spot in that sense because they belong to that elite, but financially, but also they can't afford to spend that much. And even Renato Sanchez, you, you brought up is an interesting one because, you know, he had maybe half a good season and, and a good Euros as a as a kind of a substitute and then he went for a lot of money and he hasn't you know necessarily been able to get the chance and then it's also a question of you know hiring coaches who are going to play young players and so on and so on but um one of the things that i want to touch on is you know all the the offseason moves that they that they didn't make or or, or they, they they made in earlier um what about another offseason signing? But it's in the coaching staff, and you you wrote about him at uh, I think it was in uh, NTV. Uh, it's Hansi Flick. Um, you know, for for people that don't know, he's the uh, guy who was at Hoffenheim uh, in the two thousands, and then he's obviously best known for uh, being at the DFB, the, the national team, as sort of the the right hand man to Joachim Löw. Um, what would you t say about his signing? Is that uh, probably is that the biggest signing they made this summer? Uh, even if Sané, Roca, and let's say the Pope come to to <laughs> FC Bayern, um, it's not an exaggeration to say uh, that he is the best signing or one of the best oh, wow. signings. I think um, I really like Flick. I like his work. Um, I like his character, and Flick is a great coach, and that's the point. I have big expectations into him. Um, I hope that he can support Kovac and uh, that he can help uh, to fix some tactical problems from from last season. So, um, yeah, the preseason showed some some good things. Um, we don't have to we don't uh, have to yeah overrate this, but uh, I really have. What are some of the things that you think he has to he's, he can help with? Because you were talking about tactical problems. Let's let's like what do you think? Because he's known for like set pieces, right? He's known for, I mean, we saw the pictures of, you know, he's, he's cutting up the pitch like uh, Tuchel and Guardiola in the, you know, positional play. Like, what are some of the things that he, you think he can he can fix? Um, yeah, so he's not only only uh, mentioned for that. I think he is a good expert in, in terms of tactics. So Bayern mm -hmm. had um, yeah, a big problem in, in the center of the pitch. So um, they, they attacked much over the wings. 
Um, the build-up was early on the wings, so the result in the end, uh, in the final third, was um, yeah, many, 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 many crosses So and many senseless crosses. So this is yeah. not enough to beat teams like Ajax or Liverpool. And you, you saw it against Liverpool. I think Lewandowski only had one or zero shots, so... Um, this is not enough. You have to bring your striker into the game, and then you can score goals. So, and you need to score goals to to uh, win against every team. So, um, yeah, I hope that Flick can fix uh, some of these problems. Um, I heard about um, yeah an, an exercise in training where um, yeah where Flick or Kovac, I don't know, um, yeah. Edited um, the pitch, so it was in hexagon. Yeah. They they cut it the the corners, so mm -hmm. the players wasn't able to play on the wings. Um, they was forced. Right. They were forced uh, to to play through the center, and um, yeah, that helps very much. I think um, they are more under pressure because um, the pitch is smaller, and also um, they play more vertical and more. Diagonal is it diagonal Correct. in English? Yeah, diagonal. Yeah. yeah. So mm -hmm. um, yeah, and it helps, I think, uh, especially in the USA and now against uh, Fenerbahce, uh, we saw some good things, some good combinations, and Bayern played more through the middle. And maybe it's a flick effect. Um, and even if not, it's just a good thing happened to Bayern in the preseason. Yeah, and I mean, you, you, you and I both wrote about the, the problems in the middle. Uh, I, I wrote about it in the newsletter that's, that's come out for uh, the subscriber. And you, you and I think other other colleagues at Mies and Roth were, I think, on this in like October and, and, and before of uh, how they just push up the, the eights and then Tiago and then the two center backs are just basically playing three against everybody else. And uh, it was, I mean, uh, from, from the games I've, I've analyzed, and there were a lot of them, it just seemed to be that... Uh, People could just uh, kind of disconnect Bayern's uh, front and then and the back and then you know focus push them out to the wings and then you know you get the crosses and, and whatnot and it's interesting because Kovac is is kind of known for playing more directly but you know the the data that I looked into is that he you know his Bayern team actually uh, looked uh, more sort of slower in the build up and, and less. Uh, less able to play through the middle probably because of those issues. And then um, in terms of the crosses, what, what I found that uh, on the number wise, they, they didn't have actually they had fewer crosses than than before, um, but but not not by a significant amount. But but I think it, it's probably um, what what you said. And I think um, uh, other people like the Rasenfunk uh, Gainetz and Max Jakobost, he always talks about the, the flanken, the, the crosses. He's got the, the counter, and, and I, I do that sometimes. So it's definitely a problem. Um, one thing I want to ask you about Hansi Flick, and do you think that he could ever like become sort of a, a problem or in that way that you know um, you bring him as an assistant to Kovac, but is there like maybe he would want more than that, or do you think Kovac uh, can see him as a threat? I don't think so because uh, Hansi Flick is someone who likes to to be in the shadow. To be so in the background, uh -huh. he yeah. liked uh, the work in the background, and also both uh, are very familiar to uh, to each other. Um, yeah. Flick was was the wish of Kovac, so um, mm -hmm. they are on on a personal level. Um, they are good to each other. 
And yeah, that's why I don't think that, that there is any problem. But um, if really the case is coming that uh, Kovac needs to leave FC Bayern, um, it's maybe an option for two or three games uh, that Flick um, mm -hmm. is in Germany. We say interimslösung. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, the interim interim solution. Yeah, yeah. that yeah. he is uh, mm -hmm. overtaking uh, for two or three three games. But um, I don't think there there will be any problem. Well, it's better better than uh, Willy Sanyol, but uh, <laughs> yeah. So sure. <laughs> so. So um, Kovac, I think, is, is, a, is a name we haven't talked about too much. And I, I think, you know, and you can correct me if I'm reading this wrong, but I saw him as sort of the, the great winner of this offseason or of this, you know, finally he, he brings home the double after. I mean, I think, you know, last season from October to from October to I think un, until the Dortmund game. Every week it was like, is he getting fired? Is he getting fired? You know, he should have gotten fired, right? Like it, it was that discussion, and it wasn't just build and, and all those usual. It was it was people who whose job it is to to talk about this, and and uh, you know they stuck by him, and I guess it worked out. But and now you know we talked about the the, the departures of you know I I, I dubbed them the anti uh, Kovac All Stars. This is you know Hummels and, and and all those guys. Um, so how do you see his appointment? How do you see the Kovac era? Um, is there like what, what? What's your overall impression of him? And then we'll, we'll get into his future. I mean, what, what do you what do you think about him just in general? Uh, Kovac did some mistakes last season. Um, I think uh, this is normal if you're at a big club for the first time in your career as a coach. Um, in best case, he learned how to adapt himself to a squad full of stars. Um, also, he should have seen that Bayern needs more tactical input to, to work out, especially in offense. We mentioned that. Um, yeah, like I said, the move of Hansi Flick to, to Munich is one of, of my biggest hopes. Um, so in preseason, some things changed. I don't say that this is only the Flick effect, um, but I say that his, his impact um, is, is big in that. So to be honest, I am not the biggest fan of Kovac's football. Um, but... His character and his interviews are fine. I, I like him very much as a person. Um, yeah, he's ex he's excellent with the media. I've I've uh, I've interacted with him yeah. just in the mix zone, and, and you know I've just watched him and and every like i, I mean I, the image that i have is is like as in uh Wolfsburg and 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 then they, they won a big match against uh Wolfsburg yeah. with frankfurt and just the way his players look up to him and it was you know the rebic and, and gacinovic and, and jovic and like the i mean i always kind of jokingly call him the the, the godfather the sort of the, the, <laughs> the balkan godfather and he does have that uh you know, like that very strong personality that uh, people kind of gravitate to. Yeah, um, in front of uh, this this uh, podcast, you you told me that he is a nice guy, uh, but also uh, I would not agree to your opinion that he only got the job because of that and because uh, it was a lifetime chance uh, that was offered uh, because Bayern didn't found no certainly anyone not, yeah. anyone better. Um, of course, he had some luck that Hoeneß uh, wasted too much time in his hopes uh, for holding Heinkes. Um, in that case, you're right, uh, but it is also a question of respect to, to say that Kovac uh, was very successful with Frankfurt and uh, yeah, he deserved definitely. his chance at Bayern. And even if his first year was uh, complicated, he still deserved a second year. Um, for sure, the two titles yeah. are helping him very much in, in that case. Because uh, from the football side uh, of view, it was sometimes a little bit tough. Uh, but let's see how it works out with Flick. Um, I'm, like I said, I'm I'm full of hope uh, that 
this two uh, can change very much in this season. Yeah, and I think so too. And and this is going to be perhaps the first time where he's really getting. You know, he, he it's like it feels like it's his team more now. With you know, it's a smaller squad. It's it's guys that he wants them to be there, and he's getting help. He's got the assistant coach that that he wants, and you know, but also an added uh, difficulties of other teams. You know, getting stronger. I think this this promises to be probably the strongest Bundesliga in years. But I wanted to ask you about preseason because you you watch the the preseason games probably a lot more closely than, than I have, and you were talking about um, some of the interesting things. Are there any people or players who have surprised you or disappointed you? Like, how do you feel about how do you feel about preseason so far for for Bayern? Yeah, uh, the biggest surprise was like I I mentioned uh, that Bayern is playing more balls through the center. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, a big factor in that was um, Jerome Boateng. So many people uh, were writing that that he will leave Bayern. Um, now it looks like he's staying and he played a very, very good preseason. So for me, he was he was the best center back in the preseason so far and he deserved his chance. So um, I hope Kovac will, will give him uh, this chance. Um, talking about this, um, I think this is a big strength of, of Niko Kovac. So he's giving always second and maybe third chances to players. Um, yeah, that... Uh, that we have maybe to to mention in in that case, like with Jerome Boateng, also Sanchez uh, made a made a good preseason so far. Um, I hope he's playing more than than last season um, and is getting a second chance too. Um, yeah, that that are the biggest surprises. Um, I think I have to I haven't to mention players like Lewandowski or or Nabri or Coman because um, we expect them to be good. So. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, Boateng and Sanchez so no, are my are my picks. If you ask for surprises, yeah, yeah, interesting. But the two guys who wanted to leave the most, right? That was the thing, and uh, yeah, because you know Sanchez had those uh, had that famous that he never wants to play for Bayern. One of those where he was screaming, but yeah, that that, that happens. I think anyone who's ever played sports, you know, knows that uh, people get emotional and and things happen. And he looked, uh, I mean, I saw a little bit of him against Fenerbahce and he looked uh, really good, but that could just be Fenerbahce and yeah. uh, whatever whatever they're doing with, with, with Max Cruza. But uh, anyway, um, so in terms of the formation, I mean, I, from from what I've read and I've seen, it's, it's always been sort of a 4-3-3 now. Is that, you think, the, uh, the go-to formation for Bayern? And then... Um, What are some of the other lineups? Because, you know, as, as I, I've been writing about this now with uh, all these multifunctional players, you can actually play three in the back. You can actually play a couple of other things. Like, how do you see them using which formations and who are some of the, the main players? You know, I mean, you don't have to mention like Lewandowski. We, we know Lewandowski is going to start. We know you don't have a lot of wingers. So, so some of the things are very obvious, but maybe some of the center backs and midfield, if you could talk about that. Uh, to be honest, I, I don't expect very much in terms of uh, formations. They are just numbers to me. Um, yeah. It will be important to, to adapt to, to the opponents, to special situations. Uh, therefore, you can switch to a back three easily uh, out of a 4-3-3. So, for example, uh, Kimmich could make his way to the center in possession to support the midfield and Alaba stays deep. Uh, or both move move into the central midfield and then you have a 2-3 structure Uh, in midf- uh, in build up so if you lose the ball you can have either a good gegenpressing with that or you can change very fast back to the 4-3-3 so that would be uh, very flexible 
Um, yeah, but that are only my thoughts on that. Uh, I don't expect too much from Kovac, to be honest, in terms of tactics and tactical adaption. Uh, maybe Flick can change his opinion uh, about that, uh, but currently I assume that the 4-3-3 and the 4-2-3-1 are the formations uh, Bayern will go with. with and uh, I don't expect special changes between the matches or, or in the matches. Um, yeah, the times are over, I think. Um, and uh, yeah, regarding the players to be important, uh, for sure Thiago is, is the most important player in every system. Um, he is the one who's giving structure to the game. He's, he's the one who... Yeah, is important for build-up, also for the transition from defense to offense. And yeah, that's why he's uh, the most important player. I also hope um, that Jerome Boateng will be more important than last season. I, I don't give up on him. Um, I think that he can be very important, especially because um, Pavar, uh, Hernandez and also Zule are not that good in build-up. They are good, but not that good. And you need a player there uh, who can who can play the balls uh, vertical um, through the opponent. Yeah, actually, as something that I looked into uh, in the today's post in the newsletter about uh, the build-up part, which is which I which I argued was probably the the most important part that uh, um, Bayern need to they need to work on, and and in particular, like I you know I think I think it's not a huge secret that Jerome Boateng is the best at those, and and how. Um, I guess the other thing is um, there's a metric called progressive passes, which which Scout uh, uses, and it's basically there's three definitions, but it but it just it, it just talks about the ball traveling forward um, and different portions of the field. And Jerome Boateng was the leader in the Bundesliga in the, both of the last uh, two seasons with about 17 passes like that per 90 minutes, and Hummels was I think second with about 15. Uh, and I think Thiago at about 13 and Zule was, was with 13 as well. It would be, uh, it, but it would be very interesting um, to, to see Jerome Boateng with Hernandez and with Zule and maybe yeah. with Kimmich and Alaba on the wings um, against strong opponents. So that would be yeah. fun maybe um, because they all can play football. It is not as defensive at, uh, as it uh, seems to be. So, and maybe especially in, in away games like in Liverpool or something like this, um, you, can, you can put a little bit more focus on, on the counter-attack. It would be very interesting to see how Bayern can uh, handle that with, with now faster players like uh, Lucas Hernandez. So, um, maybe we will see that, but like I said, I, I don't uh, have so high expectations uh, mm. yeah, with Niko Kovac as a coach. Yeah, and I guess with with Boateng, the other thing is that you, you have, you know, you don't really like you don't play him with Hummels, who also is um, not the fastest or you know strongest anymore. And and now you have you know maybe Hernandez when he you know he's not healthy now, but when he gets healthy or Zule, who's got excellent recovery speed and and whatnot. And yeah, I think that will be that will be interesting. And you you hope that Pavard can kind of bring the same same passing that Hummels, or at least like, you know, 80%. I think it's, it's probably a decent estimation. Um, and, and like, I agree with you. I, I, I wrote about the, the three in the back, uh, how they could play. I mean, I have, uh, you know, Boateng or Hernandez and then Zule Pavard. And then, as you, as you mentioned, um, Kimmich and, and Alaba on, on the wings. And my 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 thing, you know, you know in, in terms of the, the midfield is, is about Thomas Müller, who... Um, 
played really well against uh, Fenerbahce with, with with that goal, and he's always going to give you a lot in counter pressing. But um, but I thought that you know he could be a loser of the system because he doesn't you know he doesn't play as an eight. I mean, he, when he plays as an eight, he's probably not as effective just because. For me, like he doesn't progress the ball. That's really not what he's good at. He's good at being a number ten, and you don't have a number ten in those systems. Although in the four two three one, you could you could have a a number ten. But uh, I could see him playing fewer minutes now, uh, unless unless you know one of the one of the wingers uh, gets hurt, and then you know he has to play a, a winger role. I mean that's that's not that's not great, but. Um, like, like you mentioned, it's a, it's a fluid system, so uh, positions don't always uh, necessarily uh, matter. Um, are there any sort of issues that you that you see in the squad in terms of positions? Like, do you feel like there's a there's a position that isn't necessarily addressed, or do you think that one that needs to be helped, or it could be better? Like, how do you feel about the the positions? Uh, first of all, I agree regarding Thomas Müller. So. Um the 4-3-3 uh, on the paper doesn't have the position for, for Thomas Müller. On the wings, he is not that good. And he's yeah. always uh, yeah, finding the, the spaces in the center. So you, you only play with one winger, in fact. Um, also, it is hard if he plays on the number eight because um, he's interpreting, interpreting uh, this position like... A number 10 so he's playing very offensive yeah. uh, and he, then you have a four two three one so um, the problem with that is that you only have two maximum two uh, creative players in the midfield so you have to find solutions um, like I said one could be uh, that Kimmich is finding his way to the center in possession um, even if you line up a back three uh, you can line up more uh, midfield players so you can support mm -hmm. Thomas Müller there um, Müller is on the one hand a present for Bayern because he finds spaces yeah. nobody else finds so um, he's really a great player in, in terms of runs or in game pressing he's also very very important um, but he's also very hard for a coach because you have to find a perfect role and you have uh, yeah. adapt the squad to him so this is maybe the biggest the biggest disadvantage to to Thomas Müller. But if he is uh, if he is um, yeah yeah good into his role, then the whole team is better. So um, yeah, maybe maybe he's worth this effort. So yeah, we will see how how he will do in the four three three. Um, how Kovac will will um, define his role. I also find it, found it very interesting um, as he played uh, as a striker against Real Madrid. So mm -hmm. his last matches on that position weren't that good. But in that match, um, he was very flexible. He wasn't only in this position and played very good. So maybe, uh, maybe he could be a backup for Lewandowski. Um, yeah, but like I said, so... His own his own uh, thoughts are that he wants to play every game, so he's not a backup, and maybe Kovac uh, needs to find the perfect role for him. That will be very tough. Um, yeah, other positions. Uh, I think the biggest issue are the wings. So in best case, Bayern buys a star winger like Zane and a talent like, let's say, Bergwijn or something like this. Uh, then you have four good players for two positions. That's that's fine, I think, 
because um, the Audi Cup against Fenerbahce has shown that two are by far not enough. If Nabri is out, Bayern has yeah. big problems there. Um, yeah. Also, a creative number six like um, Rocker would be really, really cool. Uh, Bayern's playing style depends very much on Thiago, like I said. Yeah. And if he's out, Bayern struggles in build-up and in the whole structure of their game. So Rocker is not as good as Thiago is, but he's young and he's a very good backup for him, I think. Yeah, and you can offer 19 million and get uh, get laughed at by <laughs> by Espanol. But no, I mean I, I agree. Like you know, and whenever we had to watch Javi Martinez there, I think it was like a Hertha match, and uh, Javi Martinez as a number six, it's is is, is difficult to to watch yeah. when it comes to creativity. I think Tolisso um, could play there. I think it was a was a preseason game where he played there, but obviously no one's gonna come close to to uh, Thiago and. And yeah, I think that that's always the, the case. I mean, that was the case last season is that you're one. That, that's the big downside of the small squad is you're one Thiago or Lewandowski injury from from things going uh, horribly wrong. Um, maybe maybe so, Sanchez is a little bit yeah. underrated in that point because um, right. everybody is seeing a dynamical physical player in uh -huh. him, but uh, he, always, he always does uh, very smart things on the pitch, I think. Um, he's good at positioning. Um, mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, he has to improve a little bit on the first touch, but he's playing yeah. good passes. He he has some knowledge in strategic strategical things. Um, yeah, so I think he's a little bit underrated. Maybe he's growing into an yeah playmaker role, not not on the number six, but maybe on the number eight. Yeah, and I mean I think that the problem with the wingers is that I agree with you, and I think every single. Bayern fan knew what you were saying like two months ago and saying, well, yeah, I mean, why didn't we just sign wingers, right? Like, that's the thing where we're, we're here turning into August, you know, a Super Cup is like two or three days away and you still don't have, you know, and, and although in the build interview, Romaniga was saying that there, there will be further transfers, though, you know, we didn't we didn't really know wh what, what that's supposed to mean. But I think the hope would be that, you know, you could have signed them sooner now because now you've you they're basically have almost missed all of training camp now uh you know most of most of preseason right you're the season's uh basically starting now and in, in about well like the super cup and then cup and then it's two weeks so you know anybody that you're bringing in now is is going to be behind in, in a lot of ways and has to adapt so but but still you you need to make sure those things happen so then um just the last question that i want to ask you as a more general question i think you've 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 talked about the The, the successful Bayern season, but what do you see as the successful Bayern season? What do they need to do? And then give me your realistic uh, expectations. In my opinion, a good Bayern season is constituted by a good balance between development on the pitch and titles. So for sure, it is impossible to say, oh, Bayern reached nothing this year. And in the Bundesliga, <laughs> they are 10 points behind Dortmund, but the football they played was pretty good. So, uh, yeah, therefore, the squad is, is too strong. Um, if the football is pretty good, Bayern automatically is successful. That's the point. Um, but therefore, you needed uh, development. And uh, it's the task, of, uh, the task of the coaches um, to build up a new team now. So that's why titles for me only matter in second place. If Dortmund wins the Bundesliga close, but Bayern developed in terms of tactics, for example, Yeah, I'm fine with that. So, um, 
Yeah, uh, regarding the cup or the Champions League, um, they are always a little bit lottery, so you can't predict these competitions. Um, uh, to sum up my, my speech now, um, the most important thing to me is the football they play on the pitch. So in second place, I can look at the results, um, but I try to separate these two points because football is sometimes an asshole. Uh, what would anyone say that Chelsea in 2012 was the better team yeah. against Bayern? So come on, um, that's the point about football. And I think if you play good football and if you develop right, um, yeah, then the success will come uh, from alone. So the first point is always what you do on the pitch and the things you do, not what others do or what the referee is doing. Um, you have to always focus on, on yourself if you are at Bayern. And if they bring their uh, potential on, on the pitch, then they will, there will be uh, success. Uh, yeah, how do I see the season going? Um, it's really interesting because for the first time of many years, I don't really know where Bayern stands actually. Uh, it can go everywhere. Uh, if they get two or three good more players uh, on the market um, and can adapt very fast to, to the new ideas of the coaching team, it could be very successful. Um, if it goes the other way around, it could be very hard for them. Um, you mentioned the strong Bundesliga. Not only Dortmund, but also Leverkusen or Leipzig are very strong this year. Uh, yeah, but I'm looking forward to the new season and hope to see some good development. And it's in the interest of Bayern if other Bundesli Bundesliga teams um, are very strong. So I really hope that Dortmund and Leipzig and Leverkusen and maybe Gladbach can, um, yeah, can be very strong and not only on the paper. So the next years are one of the most interesting for a long time as, as a Bayern fan. I'm very interested in, in that time which is coming now. Yeah, thank thank you very much. So, um, just as a sort of a closeout, where can uh, people find you on the internet? Where can they read your work? I mean, obviously, uh, we know about your book, uh, Lamsteiger Generation Lamsteiger, that they can buy on Amazon and, and whatnot, and they can obviously uh, find you on Miasanot. Are there any other places that uh, you would recommend? If they want, uh, they can follow me on Twitter at uh, Lamsteiger. Yeah, and that's all. I think if you following me on Twitter. Um, you have enough, so <laughs> you you have enough of me. Um, I'm tweeting very much and very often, so that's enough. All right, thanks a lot for uh, coming on, and uh, we'll hope to uh, talk to you uh, sometime during the season. Yes, no problem. Glad to be here.